Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Liv Griffiths. This is our latest look at everything from the Champions League to the National League. Joining me to make sense of it all is journalist Andrew Rayburn. Hi, Andrew. Long time no see. Yeah, good, uh, hello to you, Liv. Hope you're well. And also joining us fresh from her trip to watch Charlton Ladies, it is former Aston Villa FA press officer and my good friend, Emily Lyles. Hi, Emily. Hi, Liv. <laughs> and someone who was also at Charlton but has been keeping an eye across the women's game, it is freelance journalist Mitchell Samji. Hi, Mitchell. Hi, Liv. Hope you're well. Yeah. Good to have the gang in full force. So we've got a lot to go through today, so let's do it. Let's start with the WSL. It is back and better than ever. Let's start off with Chelsea's shock defeat at Arsenal. Over 8,000 fans at the Emirates, which was great. The game was a great advert for the women's game in general. Arsenal edged a five-goal thriller thanks to Vivian Miedemar and two from Beth Mead. Chelsea had equalised through Erin Cuthbert before Mead's two goals and Peniel Harder pulled one back late on. Uh, lots of talking points from social media later. Leah Williamson posted on Instagram, it was a dream come true, while Mead herself just said, London is red. Jonas Adeval, who joined Arsenal as a manager in the summer, got off to a great start. Mitchell, I'm going to come to you first, because I think you spent a lot of time watching Joe Montemiro's Arsenal last season. Obviously, new coach. Has he already broken the hoodoo of Arsenal not being able to beat the top teams? I believe so, and I think um, making that kind of strong start is kind of make it's kind of he's kind of given making a big statement uh, in terms of what Arsenal can probably achieve this season. Um, as you mentioned about the hoodoo, I think under John Montemiro, the last few seasons since they've last won the league, they've kind of been slightly stagnated in terms of uh, winning games against the small opposition. But when it comes to like playing against the big oppositions, they ended up falling short. When we've seen that through um, the last two seasons in terms of the WSL results against the the so-called bigger sides, and to end the hoodoo now, and especially under the new management. Um, is very important because um, they know there's got it's going to be a very big season, and you know that with Chelsea from the last couple of seasons now they've always they've been just high flying. They can be any anybody in, on their given day. So I feel it was very important for them to get the victory, and also hopefully you will give them the confidence to hopefully go all the way and hope and, and kind of break that mode of Chelsea's dominance in the league this season. But it's, I know it's too early to say, but they did produce a really good performance, and it's quite reminiscent to Montemiro's um, title winning team in terms of the performance that they produced in terms of fighting back when um, things were not going under their way uh, during the different course course of the game. And they, they held their nerve and um, they got the three points in the first game of the season. So that was very important. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's talk about the last couple of seasons where they have struggled. A fun fact for you. Up until Sunday, Arsenal had only won two of the past 15 games between them and Chelsea and most recently none in the last five matches up until yesterday. Emily, I mean, do you think now maybe with a new coach they're going to set a new benchmark for the season in terms of their ambitions? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I was sat by Mittal, as you know, uh, at Charlton yesterday and the result came through as we were there and you know, I think both of us made the point about what a significant victory it was, but also just generally for the league, I think it's brilliant that, you know, they were able to beat Chelsea on the opening day, Chelsea already beaten. But in terms of Arsenal long term, I think as a bit of a caveat to what I've just said, I think you do have to remember that it is the first game. Obviously, Chelsea have had a number of players away at the Olympics who came back later to training. 
um, preparation, of course, is, is a bit different across the board. I know a lot of clubs have players at the Olympics and it's not certainly not an excuse, but I think, you know, it, it's a huge win. I think the fact they did it in front of the crowd at the Emirates, it was a significant day all round. And I suppose in some respects might have been written in the stars a little bit. Um, but I think it's one of those where, and, and Leah Williamson certainly made this point after the game, that it's important that they follow it up now, you know, immediately in their European game later this week as well. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think we were talking about this game last week and your prediction was Chelsea. I'm just going to put it out there and remind you of that. Um, but perhaps you have a point, you know, the likes of Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby, all playing in the Olympics, slow start to the season. Andrew, would you kind of agree with that, with what Emily is saying, that maybe Chelsea just were not, you know, 100% prepared this weekend? Yeah, I mean, they obviously uh, Emma Hayes went with the the lineup that um, had basically, you know, had more preparation time together. She, you know, with the uh, with the Olympics players by and large left on the bench. Obviously, Kerr and Kirby, um, in particular. Um, I mean, they 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 had their moments, didn't they, Chelsea? They they clicked in the final third at various times, and they will point to the, uh, uh, you know, to to Beth Mead's, um, of you know, what turned out to be the winning goal effectively, um, as, as being offside. Um, so they had their moments. Um, there were some good finishes in there. But I think both teams um, showed their quality. I just think Arsenal were, you know, were, I think they were keen to impress the new boss. I think they've clearly they've worked well in, in, in pre-season. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of credit should, should, should go to Arsenal. Um, but what's interesting about Chelsea, I mean, obviously only one defeat last season, that was to Brighton, the team they always seem to, to struggle against. Um, it's their first away league defeat since May 2017, and it's the first time they've lost on opening day since losing to Arsenal in the very first WSL game 10 years ago. So um, there's something they're not accustomed to. Great stats there. I love I love your work, Andrew. Always Thank a pleasure. You. <laughs> I'm well, back with a bang. You really are. You kind of talked about it slightly, obviously. We all watched the game. Beth Mead's third goal, potentially. I mean, it's not potential. It should have been flagged offside. So let's talk about VAR and the fact that we have a lack of it in the women's game. Emma Hayes wasn't very happy. I mean, Kelly Chambers, they, Reading had a similar situation on Friday. Do we think it needs to be used in the WSL, Mitchell? Um, I believe so. If, um, I remember what Emma Hayes says that in terms of women should not be obviously classed as, not, not in the district, they should be second-class citizens. And I think that quote kind of stood out to me I mean, I, prior to coming to this podcast, is that what we got in the men's game should be have the same equivalence as to as the women's uh, women's game because the women's game now with the with the new WSL deal is is kind of raising the profile of the game. We want to ensure that um, whether, whether necessary um, kind of technologies that are embraced on the men's game, that should be... Um, Equivalent to the women's game as well, because now the games are going to be broadcasted on um, on that main on like on Sky Sports and the BBC on like showing all showcasing all the games. So we want to make up there to ensure that whatever whatever has in the men's game must be uh, related to has to be equivalent to the same to the women's game. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think we've all been a little bit blindsided by a new contract with TV and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but. I think Emil Heskey touched on it when he was on Sky Sports on Friday that, you know, his club that he's involved with, Leicester, they're going to be playing at the King Power, which is obviously a Premier League stadium and would have VAR. But we're not quite there yet. We haven't caught up in terms of having stadiums that can sort of work it out for us. Emily, do you think this is something that 
needs to improve like pretty sharpish or are we going to just have to grin and bear it for the next season or so? I'm a little bit torn really because I totally understand and agree with the parity point. I think that's so, so important, particularly when you look a lot of, at a lot of aspects of the game now that have improved and are, okay, I understand they're not quite the same as the men, but they're starting to be a bit more on par with the men in terms of, you know, general welfare and, and provision that the clubs and the players have. That said, at the same time, when it comes to VAR, how much controversy and confusion and upset does that also cause in the men's game? So yes, I understand it, but I think it's also important that it's like any, I guess, any decision in, in sport and any decision in football, some will go for you, some won't go for you, whether there's VAR implemented there or not. And, and while I completely understand those post-match comments, you know, it, it's a classic old adage of if the shoe was on the other foot, would it have been such a big deal? So it's, it's a really, really difficult one. Um, I understand certainly from a gender equality point of view why it's important, but there's so much discussion on whether it's necessary or whether all aspects of it are necessary in the men's game. It makes you question whether it would, you know, hinder rather than help at times. I think it was a missed opportunity given that they were in a men's stadium this week, but... I guess we'll keep a close eye on it as the season unfolds. Moving on, Man United kicked off the season on Friday night with a 2-0 win over Reading, with goals from Kirsty Hansen and the Spaniard on a battle. Ella Toon was magnificent throughout with two assists as well. It's a new era, United, following the departure of Casey Stoney, and they moved to bring former Birmingham ladies and Orlando Pride coach Mark Skinner. It's a, it's a great start with a new coach. Do you feel... You know, they just fell short last year of finishing fourth. Do you feel like the top three is something that they should be looking at this season? Yeah, I definitely think that, um, you know, obviously there's a little bit of change there. Players leaving, obviously, and players coming in. New manager, um, you know, made a, a decent fist of it on on, on Friday night. Um, they're still, as a club, obviously relatively new to this level. Um, I think... Are they going to sort of break into that kind of, um, you know, cartel? I think it will depend a little bit. You expect Man City and Chelsea to be one and two in whatever order. And then it's just a case of, um, you know, how Arsenal fare, I think, as to whether Manchester United can finish above them. That's my suspicion. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no reason why they can't uh, do well under under Skinner. And, um, you know, they've, they've got off to a, a decent start. Although, of course, again, a game where uh, um, certainly technology... Um, uh, you know, was uh, uh, you know the lack of technology was was at the fore there. Hmm. Yeah, we did touch on it briefly. Um, Redden had a goal disallowed for Brooke Chaplin that wasn't given. I was just going to gonna say, to be fair to Brooke, Brooke Chaplin, she said afterwards, you know, we can't blame anybody but ourselves. And I think, you know, as Emily says, that's kind of a refreshing, you know, the the attitude to take, and it's kind of refreshing to see that from someone who's had a, a a goal, you know, a goal ruled out, and it's not like some sort of subjective VAR decision. This was, you know, clearly over the line, but so be it. Yeah, I would agree with that one, Mitchell. Just really quickly, kind of what Andrew was saying, they just didn't take their chances. Do you see Reading as potentially going to struggle, or, or where can you see them fair in this season? I could see them. Probably justice. They'll survive in this league, I believe. They've got the quality that um, they have, and they've got some experienced players that can help to pull pull them out of danger. Um, I could probably see them like just maybe in mid table. I I believe because um, 
their records have been great. Like even at home last season, that they were they had to wait until like home until since the beginning of the season. So I think they have to end that. They have to like learn and trying to make their kind of like home form as a fortress in some way because Reading are a good side and they know they can pose a fight. They can um, frustrate teams as well. We've seen in some games that I've covered um, as report, reporting remotely or in person, like, even the game against Man City, they were very close to like getting some points in, but at some stages they had to sit back. But then also there's been some really um, poor performances like the one against West Ham towards the end of back of last season when they lost 5-0 and they conceded all five goals all in the first half. So, they can be very unpredictable at times, but um, I think they've got the foundation is there, but it's just about how they, they can push forward now. And I think it'll be very interesting to see that how the team team will really push forward with a good current group of players and what, and how they were going to um, achieve that. I think you nailed it there with the word unpredictable, and that certainly is Reading and a few other teams in this league. Well, we shall see what, what happens to them. Right. Chelsea's biggest challenges, you feel, will be Manchester City again this season. They travelled to Goodenson Park in a first for the WSL in that it was shown on free to air on UK television. That's BBC for everyone listening. Dominant display from the citizens, four different scorers with two summer signings on the score sheet. Vicky Lossiter from European champions Barcelona opening the scoring and Khadija Shaw, known as Bunny, added a third with Janine Becky and Steph Horton also scoring. Well, guys, they've made some pretty good statements with their signings, this um, this sort of transfer window. Do you feel, Emily, that they are going to be Chelsea's biggest threat? Yeah, I think so, to be honest with you. I think it's hard to look beyond them. Um, you know, I know that they had a bit of a, a mid-season wobble, early to mid-season wobble last season, but... They finished pretty strongly, didn't they? And they, as you say, they've recruited well. They were coming up at the weekend against an Everton side who have also recruited well and were tipped to do quite well and, you know, managed managed to blow them away. So, yes, I think they're looking very good. Important to remember, again, that it is only the first game and things can change, circumstances can change. Touchwood, they don't, but they could possibly pick up a few injury suspensions and then you know a few results don't go their way but yeah they look very very good don't they and you know it was a real statement of intent I thought that that victory at Goodison. Well it's not just their new signings we've got to think about the players that were already there I know the Lionesses didn't necessarily have a good campaign in the Euros and there was a, a few chats perhaps going around that maybe Steph Wharton is coming very much to the end of her career but it was fantastic free kick Andrew wasn't it do you feel like she's still got more to offer in this league yeah I absolutely do you know she's obviously a, a you know she's a quality uh, a quality player still um and you know there's obviously a lot going on for her and she's got um you know she's got a great group of players around her and 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 you know she's still got that kind of leadership and 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 uh, you know she'll be you know she'll be a, a key figure for, for Man City whatever whatever they do this season Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like you said, the quality and the longevity, probably very nice to have new faces around to learn from her. But Mitchell, let's talk about Everton quickly. They were always nearly, but not quite last season. Willie Kirk said they had worked on being brave through pre-season. They also had some new summer signings as well, which were quite big names. Can you see them making strides this season or, or do you feel very much they're going to not quite make a top four, top five finish? Um, I'm not so sure, but hopefully with the signings that they've made, they can be able to, to 
to obviously push up a bit higher up in the in the table. Um, they could, it's a bit like Reading where there could be times where they could be unpredictable, but um, we'll see how this season will unfold. And of course, the difference this season will be we'll be seeing fans hopefully in full capacity um, attending games. So hopefully that will probably make a difference as well. And I know that this kind of affects the like, some most of the lower lower sides or the lesser sides' performances last season playing in empty stadiums. But hopefully. Um, this season that, that it won't be the case and I've kind of liked the signings that they've made as well like the likes of Kenzie Darley, um, Courtney Broson to name a few and I think they've they've added a bit of mixture of experience and um, kind of foreign experience as well as a bit of youth I think I assume as well so hopefully there is some good balance in that squad that can able to push them through and I, I assume that they've, that will hopefully increase their squad depth to able to um, to move higher up on the table when results sometimes don't go in their way um, that's in contrast what you said about Reading as being on predictions because I've seen this season that the squad depth is not that quite big enough and that's one of their bigger problems last season I think it'd be the same this season so there is a contrast there I just feel Everton might just edge it because of the squad depth they had and especially the signings that they have who have the experience to able to pull them out, out of danger um, but yeah we'll see how everything unfolds too early to say but um, it'll be unpredictable this season especially what, what's happening now They've got to let more fans in Goodison Park if they're going to end up walking away with a 4-0 home loss, I guess. Anyway, mm. let's move on. Leicester City's first ever game in the WSL ended in defeat at Aston Villa. Last season's top scorer in the championship, Tash Flint, had given the Foxes a first-half lead, but two goals in the space of a minute in the second half from Sarah Malin and Remy Allen against a former club saw Villa get off to a winning start. Leicester manager Jonathan Morgan said it was 60 seconds of madness which cost them. Andrew, would you agree with that? Do you think it's just, you know, you lose sort of, you? we kind of talked about it actually, that when you go, when you concede a goal, you kind of at your most vulnerable. So to concede very quickly in succession, would you say it's just a moment of madness or over the 90 minutes they were just second best? Well, they'd certainly had a lot of the game up until that point and obviously had, had taken the lead. They could have had a, a second as well. Um, Villa did well to hang in in, in the game. Um, and yeah, they I mean, they had a fantastic equaliser uh, for a free kick and, um, you know, and, and, and all, you know, pretty much straight from the restart, you know, they kind of, I think that maybe that jolted Leicester a little bit and they were suddenly, you know, they could have been tuned up, you know, and suddenly it's one all. And Villa had their tails up and a very well-created second goal. Uh, it's the sort of game possibly that last season Villa wouldn't have gone on to win. I certainly think from a goal behind. I'm not sure how many times they, they came from behind to get results last season. Um, and it's a, a, a real boost, you know, for, for, for Carla and for, for the, you know, for the new players that have come in. And certainly, obviously, uh, for Remy Allen to score against her old club on her debut. Um, didn't hold back in the celebration, put it that way. No, indeed. And she's not the only one that's made that cross. Obviously, Emily, we talked about Carla Ward moving over from Birmingham. Um, you know, she's brought quite a few players along from her old team as well. Do you feel like there's more excitement going on in that club and perhaps that they won't struggle as much as they did last season? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, for a long time, the two clubs have exchanged players, um, albeit probably not on this scale, this one more one way than the other. Um, but there's always been that interesting kind of link that I know we've spoken about before that 
obviously the two sets of supporters on the men's side are not very keen on one another, but it is slightly different um, in the women's game. And I think, you know, in a lot of senses, although you'd never wish any club the situation that Birmingham have found themselves in in recent years, I think the fact that there is a club in Aston Villa that are investing at the moment, are in a good place, can offer contracts, can offer training at Bodymore Heath, you know, on a daily basis and what Villa can offer at this point in time is fantastic for those players that are Birmingham-based or Midlands-based because that that really wasn't there before. It was ultimately Birmingham were, were the top dogs, if you like. Villa was a good option, but it certainly wasn't an option at that level. So I think it's great. Um, I think it's it, obviously you don't want it to be at the detriment of Birmingham City from a Midlands point of view. Um, but all in all, yeah, look, the signs are good. I think Andrew's point around, would they have got that result last season? Probably not. Um, and, you know, the fact that you're reading the likes of Remy Allen's comments after the game and they weren't happy at all with the performance, yet they've won the game, they've won their opening game. So I think that's a really, really good signal of intent and, and shows what the mentality is there at the moment, which you would think would come directly from the likes of Carla Ward. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it won't be as much as a scramble this season for us as it was at Birmingham. Uh, another team who had a difficult season last season was Spurs, but they got off to a winning start thanks to Kit Graham's goal. It was, it was Spurs' first win and goal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in four attempts. For Birmingham, not the start new boss Scott Booth would have wanted, and it could be a long, hard season ahead as we've touched on for Birmingham. Brighton and Hove Albion were also the other winners on the opening day, brushing aside West Ham 2-0. West Ham went down to 10 on half an hour when Howard Sissoko was sent off for handling a goal-bound shot and Inessa Kagman then converted the spot kick. Lee Gyum Min then added a second after a defensive mistake. Move on to the Championship next. In the Championship, the Saturday game saw Liverpool claim the three points away at newly promoted Watford. The Reds raced into a 3-0 first half lead thanks to Missy Bokins and two goals from summer recruit Rihanna Dean. They survived a late second half comeback from the Hornets with goals from Anne Maybald and Helen Ward, but the Reds held on to claim their first win of the season. Now, on Sunday, a historic day for Charlton Athletic as they played their first game as a professional club at home to Coventry United, who themselves have gone full-time this season. Both Mitchell and Emily, did you plan this? Or were you always going together? Mitchell, what did you think of the game? Was was it a great start for them? Oh, it was it was a, it was a brilliant start for Charlton, um, especially their first game as a full time professional um, club in terms of the in, in terms of the women's football capacity. So it was it was actually a fantastic win and a brilliant way to start the season. I know last season they struggled um, in terms of the start they've had, and of course when Karen Hills um, came along and appointed as Charlton manager, she um, kind of turned things around, turned the club's fortunes around and um, the form has picked up really quickly and they're playing really good, expansive football and they're quite disciplined at the back, but there are some areas of sloppiness and key moments that that's where I think the area they needed to improve, which proved costly um, in terms of the way, in the manner and the way they ended the first half and that kind of um, led to the equaliser for Coventry through Molly Green through a corner kick that sailed through into the net and passed the, passed the keeper and the defence. But in terms of um, the team, in terms of playing expansive football, they were just really good. They had some really good chances. They were picking up uh, pockets of spaces. 
Um, there was a really good understanding between, especially with Ella Ruford, who pulled the strings up front for Charlton. Um, anytime when when there is not really fresh impetus in, into that team, especially up front in the final third, she was leading the line by by example. And and I think every team member uh, made a big shift overall. We can't single any one of them, which Karen told me in the post-match interview. Everyone did produce a shift in, especially their, how they performed during pre-season and that kind of coming to fruition. Um, but I think with Ruf, um, Ella Rutherford, she she scored some two brilliant goals. Um, the the second goal, second of her goal was kind of a, a pure a proper striker's goal um, that we would love to see. And she's she, uh, what we what we've known from from the post match interview, which um, Karen told about that she had a really good preseason, and um, we're hopefully to see that she can score so many goals this season that will help um, Charlton um, to climb up in the in the championship and hopefully. Be up for contention uh, in the maybe this season or in the coming seasons of, uh, in terms of game into the uh, WSL. But um, it looks quite promising. But of course, it's going to be a very long season, and it's and it's going to be very unpredictable as well um, because of some really good teams there. Um, and hopefully, the, the, the this win is hopefully going to help them to actually um, make a big statement to the rest of the the women's championship uh, oppositions about what they can able to offer and what they can how they're going to be a threat. To other teams that are coming along, and hopefully they can uh, make their ground at the the Oakwood as a, as a fortress. That's what we love about the championship. There's always, you know, it's not your one or two. There's always five or six teams that will definitely be up there. So we will keep an eye on them. Well, Emily spoke to Karen Hills, Ella Rutherford from Charlton, and Jay Bradford, who is Coventry United manager after the game. Karen, first of all, could I just get your overall thoughts on the game? Because watching from the stands, it looked like a fantastic performance. Yeah, I'm really pleased with everything we've done today. I thought we was outstanding from the minute one to, to right to the very end. I thought physically we looked we looked sharp. Um, the girls executed game plan um, amazingly well. I thought we was unfortunate, really, not to go in probably a couple more in, in the first half. But at the same time, their keepers pulled off a couple of good saves. We then just switched off that last literally that second uh, to let them back in it and we knew we was going to have to come out and and pretty much do exactly what we did in the first half and, and that was dominate um, and and really take the game to them and I think we did that in the second half obviously we got the lucky second goal with the corner but listen sometimes that, that luck's got to come onto your side but I thought we was dominant from from the minute one um, I thought we there was some really good outstanding individual performance but I wouldn't want to single anyone out because I thought every single one of them today was outstanding we've obviously got a bench um, quite light today just based on obviously the, the, the current week that we've had in terms of um, just not being able to, to get those players involved but no I'm really pleased with everything we've done in a short space of time and I thought it was probably a really exciting game for the fans to watch today no, certainly. And obviously you weren't able to start your campaign last week, but more than made up for that today. Did that make the performance even more impressive for you and, and pleasing for yourself? No, no, well, yeah, of course it does. But it just makes me... Like, it, it, was, it was always apprehensive. You're always nervous. You're going into pre-season. You're giving players minutes. You're giving lots of opportunity for the players to... But I thought today like, it was the first chance for us to be in a competitive environment in with a brand new bunch of players and, and they didn't disappoint today I thought they was excellent I thought some of the combination play I thought some of the aggressive pressing that we we, we did I was yeah I was over the moon with every single one of them and, and 
the first game you always want to get off to a good start and thankfully for us we, we did. And you touched on the fans being back there. I mean, how, how important is that and how great was that for you today? Oh, it was great to see so many people come down and support the girls and I hope now that uh, we get even more support because the way that they played today, it was exciting football um, and you'd expect now the Charlton fans to, to be obviously getting behind us, which they already have, but now you... you when you start momentum and you start being successful, then obviously the following grows and we all know that. But no, I'm really pleased with that start and, and I think the fans should go away feeling quite excited about what's up, what's, what's up for the season. And of course, next up for you guys is, is Durham away, which is a long old trip. Yeah. They were beaten at Sheffield United today. And what, what are your thoughts looking ahead to that one? Durham's always going to be a strong side. They started well last last um, last week. Um, we always know that Durham is is going to be a threat. Um, obviously, didn't know the results from today. Don't don't want to know. Wanted to make sure that our performance was right first and foremost. The season's going to be a long season. Um, there's going to be lots of twists and turns, as you see today. Then by what you've just said, um, there is no team. Every team is going to be able to pick points off everyone. So all we need to do is keep focusing on what we're doing making sure that we're doing everything right to, to keep the group as, as together as they have been today and performances will take care of themselves. And just lastly from me, I know you will have been asked about this countless times over recent weeks, but today was a really historic day for Charlton Athletic taking to the field for the first time as a professional outfit. Could you just give us a little bit of insight into what that means from a coach's perspective, having that contact with them every day? It's been amazing. Like I've been extremely fortunate um, to have the opportunity to build a club and to build a team and, and, and I've been able to do that in a short space of time and the support uh, Thomas and, and some of the other guys within the main club have been absolutely outstanding, Nigel Atkins is, who's obviously the first team manager lots of good conversations with, with those guys and we, we have got that one club approach feel now and everyone feels completely integrated and, and that's hugely important for the women's game at this moment in time so no I'm really pleased with, with how we've done on the pitch today because that was always going to be the testing point the resources that have been put in the players that we brought in um, and now we needed to deliver on the pitch and I thought we did that today but it's still a very very small part of, of hopefully what, what's to come for, from Charlton women. They got two goals 3-1 um, winning the opening game how important was it the victory especially in front of the fans and how the importance of um, making an impressive start to the season? Yeah it's really important for us I think um, you know we've been working really hard in pre-season so it's nice that sort of it's paid off um, and it was just amazing to have the fans support back today. I think that really played a part in our victory. Um, so yeah, just really happy all round performance. It's really good from everyone. And looking back, looking back to your first goal, how important was that goal you got when you did score? Yeah, it was important because it was early on in the game. Uh, it put us in, in the lead from the get go. Um, you know, it was something we've been working really hard on in training, um, exposing them in them wide areas at the edge of the box. So yeah, it was just good that you know got in the right place at the right time and just managed to put it away. And how hard did the opposition make, made you guys work towards the end of the first half? Yeah, it was. I think it was quite an equal first half. You know, I think we was on top for the majority, and then you know the, the goal comes at the end. So um, for us to go in and it's one-one, um, we didn't feel disappointed because we felt like for the majority of the first half we was on top and yeah played them off the park. So um, so we just come out and just stuck to the game plan and let the result take take after itself. Um, 
we were saying, like, coming towards the second half, what was the, the game plan initially um, coming to the second half, especially with the Fred Coventry post? Um, yeah, I mean, it was just to sort of stick to it. We was doing everything right in the first half. Um, it was just sort of the final product, the final pass, the final shot that we needed to sort of um, get better at. So that's what we came out to improve on and uh, it definitely showed in the second half. Was there were opportunities that you had on your side as well as... Um, some opportunities that you maybe could have capitalised but um, it was rewarded in the end because of the goals so do you felt that the team felt that the goal was going to come? Definitely there was loads of spells in the game where we felt like it, they, we put Coventry under a lot of pressure um, so yeah and in, and in moments like that you've just got to keep your foot on the gas and keep pushing and you'll get, get the result at the end so and, you know we're just delighted to be back here playing football in front of the Charlton fans um, take each game as it comes and we can obviously take this as a positive that we've started the season with a win but there's a long way to go so we're just going to keep working hard and take every game as it comes. Obviously today was a historic day for the club, first time as a professional outfit. Can you just give us a bit of an insight into what that means for you as players to have that contact every day? I mean it shows, it's, it's really important. Um, we've built such a good team environment, um, such a good team morale, everyone's just so together and I think that really plays its part on a Sunday when you're all together. You know, you wanting to run through walls for each other. You wanting to work hard for each other. So, and and if if that comes behind a good performance, then you're going to get the win. So yeah, it, it's been it's been amazing for us all, um, and we're all just really happy to sort of be a part of the history that this club's making. So Jay, first of all, obviously a disappointing result here this afternoon at the Oakwood. Could I get your overall thoughts on the game, please? Yeah, I think disappointment sums it up. You know, we managed to get ourselves back in the game even though we weren't playing particularly well at that time but we'd mounted enough pressure and got ourselves back in it and then reverted back to sort of yeah not closing the ball down not working hard enough yeah we're in a we're in a tough spot and we need to we need to figure it out and you signed a number of quality players over the summer that we know are very very good at this level do you just think it's a case of needing to a bit more time together gelling together and then those results will come yeah i guess but at this level you don't get that time you know we, we, it's game after game, so we've got seven days until our next fixture and we've got to figure out our problems quickly. Um, looking back to the equaliser, I think, because that was a time when um, your, your side actually built kind of some momentum, trying to take advantage of the sloppiness, but I want to look back on the goal that you've equalised, how important it was when, you, when the goal that you got when you did score at the time. Yeah, it came at a perfect time, you know. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't think we were playing particularly well, but we were mounting pressure, so to, to, get, to go in at half-time level was was perfect really and you know we had a good half time team talk we came out I thought we did okay for the next five to ten minutes but then yeah we, we stepped back off again and stopped doing all those those really good things and, and we stopped doing the basics. Mm, what what could, could what, what needs to be like kind of improved in terms of getting your season back on track in the coming games now? What what do you think from this performance needs to like take kind of improvements? We just need to come back in and reset and work hard and you know understand the game plan which I, th- I think we did today I don't, I don't think it was a, a lack of understanding on, on our part I think it was just it's an execution thing technically tactically so yeah this week's going to be a big week for us we need to get back into the training ground and, and work hard and what's the key positives you can tell uh, because it's a 3-1 defeat what's the key positives you can take from today's game I thought Lucy Thomas was superb I thought she she kept us in the game in key moments made some really good saves you know getting Alana on the pitch is, is also positive she's one of our younger ones so so yeah, there's there's a couple of bits in there, but you know we're still getting on the coach with no points. Mm. And just the last one, aside from the game, a little bit, Jay. Obviously today was 
a big day for Charlton in that it's their first ever game as a professional outfit. I know you're in a similar situation with the professional contracts. Just how important is it from you, from a sort of head coach management perspective, to have those in place? And I guess just just for the future of the league and, and the game overall. Yeah, the, the, you know the league. I see the league being full time sooner rather than later for everybody, and I think that's that's great for the game. And I think you only need to look at the results that are going around that now being full-time just isn't enough you know last year I think it was if you're full-time you had that that bit of an edge but this year that's gone so yeah I think it, it helps the game it's moving the game in the right direction and that's only a positive thing. It's newly promoted Sunderland who lead the table after two wins from two they saw off Blackburn Rovers at the Stadium of Light thanks to goals from Neve Heron and Emily Scar struck crucial goals in the first half to settle the contest. I mean Andrew you kind of have your eagle eyes over the championship a little bit more than others. Do, is this taking you by surprise or, or were you always expecting them to come out fighting? Sunderland, um, yeah, I mean, obviously newly promoted sides always have that little bounce, don't they? Uh, continuing the momentum, although obviously it's not quite the same, um, you know, from 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 usual, I suppose, because um, they, they didn't actually have a great season when they played last season. Um, but there's certainly a side that has got, you know, has got all the, you know, they're, they're a championship club in structure and everything else. So um, no, not at all surprised to see to them making a good start, but obviously very early days, as you say, Liv, it's always a competitive division. Yes, very early, but another team that I've got off to a really good start, Mitchell, is London City Lionesses. Goals from Rihanna Jarrett and Jamie Lee Napier saw off Crystal Palace, who had taken the lead through Lizzie Waldy. Now I just want to touch slightly because obviously Jamie Lee Napier didn't quite work for her at Chelsea last season and is you know quite a big name to be dropping down to the championship. Guys, rejoice! Bristol City won this weekend. They had to do it the hard way, as always, as they fell behind early on at home to Lewis with the prolific Ini Umatong scoring, but second half goals from Abby Harrison and a penalty from England under 19 international Simran Jamet saw the Vixens home. The final game in the championship saw Sheffield United comfortably beat Durham 3-1, thanks to goals from former Liverpool midfielder Jess Clark. Well, Andrew, we certainly missed you last week to give us a rundown of the National League, so I'm going to hand over the mic to you. Thanks, Liv. Yeah, I mean, National League uh, flying along, um, pretty much most teams playing four or five games already, and it's the newly promoted sides who are having a ball in both the North and the South. Uh, let's start then in the Southern Premier Division, where Southampton FC Women and Ipswich Town, both promoted in the summer, have perfect records of five wins out of five. Uh, Southampton, under the coaching of former England player Marianne Spacey-Kale, won 9-0 at Hounslow to stay top. Ella Pusey and Kira Watling both scoring hat-tricks. Hounslow, meanwhile, have now lost 16 successive matches and haven't scored in their last 12, dating back to March 2020. Uh, Ipswich won 4-0 at Chichester and Selsey with all four goals coming in the second half to remain hot on Southampton's heels. Uh, elsewhere, a Beth Lumsden hat-trick helped Oxford to a 5-0 win at Plymouth. The U sit third. Five points, though, off the leaders already. Uh, Portsmouth hammered Canesham Town 6-1, while Nicola Gibson got the winner with her first goal for Crawley Wasps as they beat MK Dons 1-0. Ellie Sargent netted twice in Cardiff's 4-1 win over former championship side London Bees, while Bridgewater United remain unbeaten with two wins and two draws after their stalemate at Gillingham. In the Northern Premier Division, newly promoted Wolves inflicted Nottingham Forest's first defeat of the season to knock them off the top of the table. Anna Morfitt got the only goal of the game on the hour mark. Uh, AFC Fylde are now the joint uh, leaders with Wolves 
after a 3-0 win over Hull. Goals from Emily Hollinshead, Faye McCoy from the spot and Sasha Rowe. Hull slipped to the bottom. Amy Woodruff got a hat-trick in Brighouse Town's 4-1 victory over Middlesbrough, while Burnley won 4-0 against previously unbeaten Huddersfield. Uh, meanwhile, Stoke City and West Brom both picked up their first victories of the season. Stoke won 5-1 at Loughborough Lightning, while Lee Dugmore got the winner uh, a late winner, indeed, for the Baggies in a 2-1 victory over Sheffield. Uh, a quick look at those doing well in the second tier of the National League. Uh, Leeds United atop of Division 1 North, while Boldmere St Michaels are a point clear of Lincoln City in Division 1 Midlands. In Division 1 South East, Billericay Town and Hashtag United share top spot, while Chesham and Cheltenham do likewise in Division 1 South West. Just very quickly, Liv, this Sunday, uh, attention turns to the National League Cup. Uh, the holders remain Blackburn Rovers, who beat Crawley Wasps in the last final back in 2019, just before their promotion to the championship. Uh, the COVID outbreak caused the cancellation of the 2019-20 final, which was due to be played between Stoke City and Sunderland. Uh, this season, the tie of the determining round is probably Division 1 North leaders Leeds, travelling to Northern Premier Division High Flyers Wolves. Boldmere St Michaels will look to take their good early season form into their trip to Huddersfield, while there are local derbies between Portsmouth and Chichester and Selsey and Exeter and Plymouth. A quick look north of the border and Glasgow City, whose hopes of qualifying for the Champions League, is still alive after drawing 1-1 in the first leg against Swiss side Servette. Wasted no time in making a flying start to the defence of their 14th consecutive Scottish title with a convincing 6-0 defeat of Motherwell, Priscilla Chinchilla scoring after only 18 seconds. Runners-up Celtic beat SWPL2 champions Aberdeen 4-2 with Charlie Wellings and Chloe Craig scoring twice each. Hibernian defeated Spartans 3-0, while promoted Hamilton Academical edged Hearts 2-1 with a stoppage time goal. Right, just before we go, please, I know I said it last week, but vote for us in the Football Content Awards. Just go to Women's Football Business and select the Women's Football Podcast. And also, as ever, don't forget to subscribe to us via all good podcasting platforms and leave us a nice review. Tick! Follow us on social media at TWFP1 and Instagram. It's the Women's Football Podcast. Mitchell, Emily, Andrew, always a pleasure. And we will see perhaps some of you next week. Bye.